Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cirtos Podcast. This is Maria and Evan again. Um, and like we say every week, we have a very special visitor um, this week. So we are going to be speaking with Phil today. And Phil, I'm going to let you take it away and introduce yourself. Okay, great. Um, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Phil Vitsakis. Uh, I am from uh, Media, Pennsylvania. Uh, we're uh, right outside of Philadelphia. Um, let's see. Uh, I guess a, a little bit about myself. I um, I'm a, a partner at a, uh, a real estate development project management and property management firm uh, in in uh, focusing on Philadelphia. Um, uh, so uh, in addition to uh, real estate being one of my passions, obviously another one of my passions is is uh, Greek folk dance, um, uh, and and how it ties to uh, the community, the Greek community here in uh, in, in Philly. Uh, so, uh, yeah, thrilled to be on the podcast and, and thrilled to, uh, uh, talk and, and, uh, you know, learn all together, uh, as we, uh, as we discuss things. Awesome. Welcome. We're so happy to have you on the podcast. Um, and I, for one, um, I'm very excited to learn your story. Um, I know that you have been down to this area for a few dance events, um, but I think that was before my time here, so <laughs> our paths haven't crossed yet. But um, we're definitely so. I mean, we always start out with the same question. We want to know. We want to know where dance started for you. We want to know, um, you know, what age you were. We need the year, the month, <laughs> days. What you were. No, we, wanna, we just. We're we're always curious, you know, to understand. Um, both like how it started, but then like how it progressed and when did you find, you know, did you know right from very on that you loved dancing or was it one of those stories where it's like, yeah, I hated it and then all of a sudden I loved it. <laughs> all right, going back into the memory files and actually I will correct you, I, our paths crossed, you actually were teaching a seminar I was at, uh, yeah. what was it, the last Bothos <laughs> seminar? Um, oh, yeah. So you were you were instructing um, uh, uh, Nishiotika, and I am not a very memorable dancer of Nishiotika, so that makes sense. Why? <laughs> why <laughs> so, but I learned a thing or two. I promise. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. I mean, uh, I guess starting from the beginning, um, um, I guess you know, in my mind, the earliest kind of memories I have of, of seeing you know, Greek dance in general was at, uh, at our, at our festivals at our church at St. George and media. Um, and the thing, it was like, you know, uh, the, 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 the older men would just take the opportunity to, to drink Tsipora and, and, mm -hmm. and dance it make whenever they got a chance to. Um, and I don't know, that, that, that kind of always stuck with me always from like a young age. Uh, another, so that was one vein of, of where I kind of, learned an appreciation for, for, for Greek dance. Uh, the other was uh, uh, from Maya. Uh, uh, Maya was a, a phenomenal dancer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once once I established a sort of interest in it, she kind of took it and, and taught me as much as she uh, could teach uh, in the kitchens while making pites or whatever. And I don't know. I don't even know how old I was, five, six, seven, who knows. Um, uh, but, yeah, so uh, got... Got a lot of um, got a lot of kind of flavor for, for, for Greek folk dance from those two elements. Um, you know, going up, uh, growing up, we, we would go to Greece. My family would go to Greece a lot, 
interestingly though, both areas that my parents are from uh, weren't very kind of rich in folk dance culture. So, hmm. um, you know, it, as as odd as it sounds, it feels like like my kind of love of it grew, uh, you know, here in the here in the states. Um, but yeah, so you know, I found a lot of appreciation for uh, you know for the for the, for for Greek folk dance, and I guess you know a couple of major milestones for me. We we actually didn't have much of a a, a, a dance group growing up at St. George Media, so um, we had a uh, a new priest come in when I was I don't know maybe in ninth grade or something like that. Um, Father Anastasios, uh, who. Uh, who actually is a phenomenal dancer and and taught us a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his 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 love of dance and love of like the community and 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 the, you know the kids in the community kind of prompted him to prompt me to start a uh, uh, a goy group. And uh, with his support and actually with uh, you know the phenomenal support of somebody who became a, an instructor kind of uh, out of the blue, Miss um, um, uh, Dina Christou. Um, you know, we created this group, started at like five people. Um, uh, Dina figured things out as she as she kind of went along, which was wild. And she had no kids in the group, whatever. She just did it out of a love of 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 uh, of the community and the kids in the group. And you know, we didn't have costumes. We wore like mm-hmm. you know black pants and white shirts and red sashes. Yep. Um, we looked like waiters. Uh, <laughs> And uh, and we started this group, and we were by far the worst group in the Delaware Valley. Um, oh. <laughs> oh, Del- the Delaware Valley. So, like, I'll give you. Uh, I'm gonna come hit a lot of Philly references, and so you know, Greater Philadelphia. There are probably about you know within a uh, an hour from Center City, Philadelphia. There's um, uh, maybe like twelve churches, uh, and yeah. it's very, it, like Philadelphia tends to be. It's a very insular sort of community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hard to come, break in here, hard to leave. Um, so yeah, so that's you know that was the start of it. You know, kind of became became interested through the church, and then you know was pushed to this position where we where we started off, and you know I guess the rest is history there. I love that. Um, at first of all, Saint George is such a special. Like I feel like Evan grew up at a Saint George. We're at Saint George now. <laughs> Like we had a huge dance epiphany, let's call it, at a St. George. I, I just, there's something about St. George churches and like really awesome dance people. So I don't know, maybe that's like a study to do later on. Um, <laughs> but can you tell us about the community of St. George Media? Like are, is everyone from a certain area in Greece? Is it like mostly first generation? Um, anything yeah, like that? Yeah, I think, I think that's a fascinating question. And I think that's like, it's wild to see like, you know, on the East Coast, where these pockets of people came from and how it mm-hmm. shapes it. Um, so, in St. George kind of had this transition period where it was, I guess, generally speaking, not a very Greek parish. And then we had an influx of a lot of, uh, of, of people that came from other parishes and more kind of urban areas that moved out uh, to our, our way. Uh, so, really, there wasn't any kind of dominant you know, um, uh, area that, uh, the, the parishioners, uh, were from in our area though, in, in, in greater Philadelphia, um, there's a lot of, uh, people from Macedonia, uh, Pondi, mm-hmm. uh, Iperotes, uh, Hiotes, um, 
And generally speaking, like the, the first three, like the Pondi, Macedonians, Iperotes are probably the, you know, the groups that came in the 60s. Um, so the more recent kind of uh, immigrants to, to, to the Greek immigrants to the Philadelphia area and, and kind of had the more dominant um, cultures. So like the, the, you know, the all the Silohi, all the, you know, all the groups were you know, there was a lot of a lot of those groups. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was a pan-Macedonian group and then 12 other sub-Macedonian groups. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, and, and fortunately enough, a lot of those group, a lot of those um, uh, organizations that, uh, from those regions still exist and they still, you know, are active and, and yeah. Uh, I love that. So, so yeah, curious. Um, uh, so I was, I was none of those, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where, where's your family from in Greece? Um. So my mother is from an island called Skiathos. Okay. Uh, claim of fame is that we were uh, the set of Mamma Mia. Yeah, I was gonna say that. Uh, <laughs> along with Skiathos, but whatever. We like to take take the take the credit. Uh, so that's where my mother's from. My father's family. Um, our last name is Cretan, but we have very little kind of connection with Crete. Uh, they they were all, uh, I guess you know kicked out of Asia Minor in, in the in the 20s, right, and resettled mm-hmm. in um, in Macedonia, so uh, outside of Edessa. So even though there's a quasi-Macedonian connection there, uh, we are, you know, we were Mikrasiotis from that side. But yeah, again, you know, uh, it's an interesting thing. And I guess one, one, one thing that I think is worth mentioning is that, like, the, the um, in Skiathos, there's like a, there's like a little bit of a rich folk, um, element mm-hmm. there's like a, a very famous author called uh, uh papa de mandi who, who who wrote extensively in like the early or mid 1800s mm-hmm. um but interestingly not a lot of like folk dance or culture or um or, or anything or even like music exists mm-hmm. it's probably because it was a more wealthy island <laughs> or at least like the, you know people just I don't know. I'm thinking either that or like maybe you know there was an airport built it in it built in the '60s, so maybe those elements got forgotten. Yeah. Um, I try to like figure out as much as I can about you know skeptical dances, and it's just not. There's a couple that I know of, but uh, but other than that, um, you know, uh, it's uh, there's there's it's sparse. So a sad thing to kind of know that there definitely was a folk culture at some element that was very rich and vibrant and essentially i don't know got lost or something like that yeah uh, so that's so, so yeah. wild it would be interesting to see like um where the population of people who were like born and raised on that island kind of have gone to you know like there's a lot of carpathians who have gone to the states and have gone to different countries but they all like really come back and i wonder if that's the same like if people do they come back to skiathos or are they like you know kind of like they leave and they sort of leave, you know? Um, I don't know. This, this is the history stuff that I have no idea about. So we're going to find somebody who does. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's another, I, we'll put that on the list of research projects, both right? Skiathos is uh, folk culture and we'll track them all down see where they went. <laughs> where? Could ask what the dance were. Like, Do you go? know how to dance? No. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Next. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> so I'm curious, um, you were saying how the St. George community didn't have a dance group really until you were ninth grade-ish and it was created. Um, I'm curious, kind of like, in addition to that, um, we talked to some people who grew up 
with heavy dance programs from, you know, day one, hundreds of kids. And like, it was this whole machine that was already set up. Then we talked to other people where it was more, you know, community-based, family-based, where they got their exposure to dance just through family gatherings and that kind of stuff. So I'm curious, like, what was your family community dynamic like? Were you heavily, like, engulfed in Greek culture, or was it more Americanized? I I would say it was um, it was a more Americanized community that with with churches nearby that were were a lot. Uh, more, I guess, l- less Americanized, could we say, <laughs> Greek guys. Um, and I'll tell you, that kind of, uh, I think that was one of the elements that kind of, um, you know, drew me to, to folk dance, right? It was a way to kind of connect with this culture that wasn't necessarily at my fingertips outside of my uh, immediate uh, family. Um so actually, one of the things I did is while I was in the, the Goya group, um, I started dancing with the Pan-Macedonian group, which was taught by uh, a guy by, by the name of Chris Tsekides. Uh, he mm-hmm. still teaches it today. Um, and uh, honestly, probably one of the most influential individuals in, in my um, kind of story of, of, getting, of learning and, and loving Greek dance. Um, he, so, so Tsekedi, everybody just calls him Tsekedi, right? Mm-hmm. Students, mm-hmm. you know, everybody. Uh, so Tsekedi's a legend in this area. He, at, at one, one point in time, I think that there were seven other instructors at other parishes in our area that all had learned uh, under, under Tsekedi. So uh, he's, the guy is a master um, and, um, and has a passion for, and, and was like an early person who was like a driver of kind of traditionality and 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 you know cut out the figuras do you know like uh, uh, do it do it the, the way things are, are are done you know in in the villages um and you know that kind of fire for it uh was 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 big i think the other big thing is that it's like you know I, we know it's like probably harder to keep boys males interested in 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 dance right and i had uh, with Tsekedi, I had a mentor of somebody who, you know, was a male and loved it. And, you know, when we were at a, a Glendi, man, that guy was dancing first and, you know, and, and right in the beginning of the line. And it was, you know, he was a man, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Um, so, I think from that, like, I, I kind of caught the bug of really being into Macedonian dances and, and um, you know, also kind of really, yeah, getting, getting really involved. Uh, so, yeah. So how did you take your self-proclaimed like worst group in the Delaware Valley um, <laughs> and grow it into your group today? Because you are definitely not. I mean, I remember seeing you all perform and I was like just blown away um, with how you got the dancers to look so poised and and polished like they were all so into what they're doing and we're talking about like your dancers are goya age which you know we all know how we were when we were younger we were like weird and awkward and floppy and and that kind of stuff and your group gets up there and they're just it they're amazing how did you do that i i i don't know (laughs) i'm still i'm still um yeah sometimes i still scratch i look at the videos and i'm like amazed by by the group um 
I listen it, it you know having so I guess uh, you know I um I danced in Goya for for a number of years danced in the Macedonians through college I danced in the Macedonians our our, our kind of Macedonian group and our Bondian group in, in Philly are the kind of adult groups um that people dance in you know for for uh, uh, quite a long time I, I'm still even though we're not dancing, uh, I'm still dancing with the Macedonians in my mind, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get back to dancing after COVID. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I, um, you know, just focused and just was a member of that organization, that, that dance group. And we, you know, we had some great trip. We went to Greece, danced in, 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 uh, in Florida. We, you know, traveled throughout the United States. We were dancing for conventions and uh, it was great. I, mm -hmm. I you know. It was it was awesome, and uh, the the Goya group uh, was growing too. Now, it didn't really bother me what what was going on with the Goya group because I was in college. You know, I was long gone past Goya, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and Father Anastasios actually came back or came, talked to me once and asked whether I'd be interested in teaching the group. And I said, No, 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 no. no. I got <laughs> well, he kept on asking, and at one point we and there were good. The other thing to mention is there were some good instructors. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, you know, I mentioned Dina, who was one of the founding instructor, uh, and then a couple of instructors in between. Um, and, and then there's an opportunity um, where, where Father Anastasia has asked me to come back. And uh, it wasn't an ask. It was more of a you should come back. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're and, holding you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so... Uh, so yeah, I came back and I, you know, they're strong dancers. I mean, that's a easy, that's a, that's the thing. They're strong, passionate dancers. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to to teach these groups if you have kids that care, and the kid, you know, kids caring uh, stems from parents caring, stems from a community that cares. Um, you know, that's a that's a whole thing. Is we've got a pretty, you know, I could say, oh, I taught these you know great dances, but if you don't have the support of the parents and the, the kids and, and, you know, the, the funding from the church to buy costumes and, you know, the encouragement to do, you know, I was, I, it, it's like kind of like a whole, like they say, like it takes a village to grow a child sort of thing. It takes mm -hmm. a whole church buying in to, to, to build a really good dance group. So, you know, when I took over the teaching of, of the St. George dance group name of the group is uh, Zephyros. Um, it it was it grew from like five people to, you know, maybe at one point there was like thirty some odd kids in it wow. before I started teaching, um, and you know we, we or maybe forty kids and then it probably dropped dropped down just because of kids graduating and everything else. Our group is consistently now between like twenty and thirty kids, mm -hmm. and I would say that I'm a you know a, a real majority of them just want to be there. They enjoy it. They enjoy the folk dance. Um, you know, I have a couple of tricks of how I try to, you know, get a, get a, get interested in it, but it's, it's, it's kind of the, it's the dynamic of the, of the, um, community, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I feel like that's huge. And everyone that we've talked to so far, um, with this podcast, I think that's been a common theme, regardless of if their community is, is church-based or if it's like a Likion or, you know, if it's a Silova, it's that they have support. They have people like rooting the or you know cheering them on um or rooting for them and you know i think that creates connection and i i can imagine like for both evan and i our parents were super involved with us dancing you know they were super like 
big proponents of it. My mom was a, an instructor growing up. So um, I, I definitely feel like if that connection isn't there with the parents, like driving the kids, and it's so easy to just for them to just like step back because, you know, you don't have like mom nagging at you. You know what I mean? Yeah. In the best way, but you don't have that. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I, can I flip the question back on you guys and, and see, you know, what was it? Uh, you guys grew up in, in communities I would imagine were a little bit more established, um, um, you know, kind of dancing communities. Did um, what do you think was a thing? I mean, I, I don't know, it, it, you know, how, how, how was that experience, I guess? How did you guys stay interested, I guess, in that? And how did other kids stay interested? And like, you know, now I'm at a point where now I've got an established sort of community. How do you, um, yeah, how, how do you, how do you, and it's taken for granted when it's already there, right? Mm -hmm. How do you keep yeah. people from taking it for granted? Go ahead, Evan. <laughs> that, that, that's a hard question. So, you know, like, it's funny because I was kind of like, thinking we were going in this direction and I was going to ask you this question, but, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, St. George community I grew up in is, it's a hundred year old parish and it's a small parish. Um, so the program I grew up in, I mean, we, we maybe had 10 to 15 kids. Um, it wasn't anything big, but everybody there, it was, it was, a very tight-knit family kind of vibe to it so everybody was there enjoyed being there with each other and it we never really thought twice about going to dance and then when I took over the group um, I kind of you know had this holier-than-thou kind of attitude about it I'm like you know what this is good but we're gonna make it better <laughs> and uh, and it, we, I mean me and Maria met we, we really bonded over this whole notion that dance needs to be accessible it needs to be accessible to anybody and everybody who wants it um and that was our big position when when we really started making big moves and taking over the dance group was we said we will we will run this we'll take it over but we will only do so if we understand that dance has to be accessible to everybody because we grew up there was three parishes um and there was this huge rivalry between the three parishes and there was rules that if if you danced in this group you could not dance in any other group and mm. i just looked and i said you're completely missing the point of dance dance is meant to bring us together it's meant to tell stories of and celebrate and you know commiserate whatever it may be dance is there to be the driving force behind who we are as a society so like that has always been my motivating factor and that's what I try the most with my kids. Like when I'm teaching is to really express why we dance and not just these are the steps. Um, and I feel like it's tough for me at times. I, I know I would say the toughest has been this year. I mean, we, we've been, we've been teaching dance um, in a very modified way throughout. Well, we, st we started up recently with COVID, but like, there's this energy that we had before that isn't quite there with COVID. The kids are super excited to be at dance because they're just starving for that interaction right now. But there's this element missing because we're not allowing them to hold hands. We're right. not allowing them to congregate close to each other. And because of that, I definitely 
feel this change. You're good. Um, <laughs> I, I feel this change in the vibe when we're dancing because I'm not able to engage them in that sense of community. Um, and that to me is, I think that's where I struggle the most because I think that's where I feed my energy off of is being able, you know, there's just this immense power when you can hold somebody's hand and feel the energy of the dance pushing you. And that's an exercise I love doing with the kids is I make them dance with their eyes closed and I have one person in the line that has their eyes open and I want them to just feel like feel that energy of that one person and see how much I mean I we've done some amazing experience with that where we just like they're all their their eyes are closed we videotape it and we show them how perfect their circle was how perfect their form was when with their eyes open they can't get it right and I'm like see you you need to learn to trust that that connection you have with the people around you so that to me is what I always strive for when I'm teaching the kids and also when I'm dancing and leading but like I feel like when you can make that connection with the kids, like there's just this level of buy-in where like, okay, I get it. Like, that's why we do this. Um, mm. With that said, I'm not always successful in making that connection. It's hard. But what's interesting <laughs> is I don't think we grew up with instructors like that. Um, no. So I grew up in the, probably the, the largest church out of the three in the area that Evan and I grew up in. And, um, Dance was just something that you did after church. Like all the groups were kind of in, it was a, it's a huge church. Um, so there was plenty of space and you kind of grow up in the ranks. Um, when my mom became the instructor for the lead group, um, a little bit of background information on my mom. My mom is a very accomplished aerobics instructor and she had her own fitness business. So you can imagine that choreography comes very easy to her. So um, when we were growing up, dance started to transition from just something that you always do and you kind of like do the same dances like we had maybe the same I don't know 12 dances for the entire program like not even trying to exaggerate but like that's probably what it was on Um, the same cassette tape (laughs) exactly um and then my mom came in and started to add crazy things in like we did a hasaposevrico where the guys um you know picked up the girls and then spun the circle so the girls were kind of like flying right and I don't know how how high we flew, let's be honest. But you know what I mean? Like our feet are off the ground. The guys are, you know, spinning around in a circle. Um, so dance started off first for me as just something you did like after church. And you did it because your whole Sunday school class did it. And your friends were there. And some kids definitely dropped out, you know. And then as I got a little bit older, um, it turned into more of like an experience. Like it was very experiential um, with different choreography and you know, doing things from different areas, bringing in videotapes. Like I joke um, that we would always go down to like Greek music and video in Astoria, which I think doesn't exist anymore. Um, And buy like the tapes that would come from Greece and like the plastic, like almost like the Disney movie tapes. Um, And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, they go in a VCR, which is, you know, something that's you can find like probably at your yaya's house. It's ancient. Um, So that's kind of how dance started for me. And I think, you know, that program that I grew up in after you graduated from high school especially if you were a girl you were done dancing with the church if you were a boy you could stay on for an extra year um, through your freshman year of college because we always needed boy dancers right Um, and then I definitely I took a break I didn't dance at all through college um, until Evan and I and two other friends got together and we started an adult group basically 
we had younger kids too, but essentially like high school to college age and beyond. Um, and that's how it kind of really started being more to me than just like something that you do after church. And I think that's something important to think about for kids these days is like, how can it be more like taking Mm. them? I'm not saying like necessarily going to competition. Like that's, that's one thing. Um, but taking them to conferences, like, you know, traveling around, going to different events. Um, I think that's where kids today see like the, the spread of dance that we never saw growing up, you know? Um, I think that there's, I think one of the, one of the you know interesting things that you mentioned is is how easily um, dance could be approached now with with mm-hmm. you know <laughs> the fact that you don't have to go to a store to buy DVDs, um, <laughs> VCRs. Uh, you know, it's I guess it's kind of parallel to every to other elements of like information in our industry where you know you've got technological disruption bringing so much information to your fingertips. Um, to the point where you literally don't have enough time to consume it all, mm-hmm. and also to the point yeah. where you, the, the the actual the actual task is verifying whether that information is accurate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I mean, you know, that's listen. You know, I'll be the first one to admit. Without YouTube, I don't know if I'd be the instructor that I am. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, you know, there's a lot of pitfalls. I've fallen into myself, you know. You don't do the research on who the group is that you're you're watching mm-hmm. and you're you know, you're in you're in a you're in a bad place. And you if you teach other kids things incorrectly, then that's um you know, that's no good. <laughs> that's really no good. Yeah. Uh, so. Oh yeah, and I think there's like a big difference and Evan and I kinda of struggle with this a little bit. Um like dancing for parties and dancing for like fun um, versus dancing for tradition Um, and we joke like the kids at St. George are obsessed with Omega vibes right like Bento Zali and like (laughs) growing up I mean full disclosure we were obsessed with that too like I feel like I remember at Greek nights you know we'd all do that and stuff Um, but it's getting the kids to understand like that's still cool and that's still fun (laughs) but what's the difference between that and like you know, learning the tradition of it, you know? Right, right. It's hard. That's, you know, for, for me, that's why, you know, I feel fortunate that our community um, had, like, folk dance was a big part of, 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 like, just everyday life for people, right? We would go to a dance, we'd go to an event, and, and, and it would be, it would be a thing, like, kids, adults, everybody. I mean, and it was something beautiful to see, like, uh, yeah, yeah, this, in the same line with little, you know, little kids all dancing, you know, sit all together, whatever, you know? Um, I, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, and there were, you know, each, each area, each, each area of the state. I mean, Philly has its own sort of things that, that you'll see. <laughs> um, you'll see a lot of Bondiaca here, I guess more than other areas that don't have as much Bondi and, and you won't see any, you know, I don't know, Cretan dances, whatever it is. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's all this sort of thing, but like, um, um, you know, it's living the folk dance. That's a, that's as close as we get to kind of, um, you know, truly seeing or experiencing folk dance as it should be experienced, right? Like not a competitive sort of display piece, but a, a way of unifying people and like, you know, bringing the village together, if you will. 
Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I feel like this is like the night of barking dogs. <laughs> right? Oh, I can't hear you. Can you not hear them? Okay. <laughs> um, so I want to kind of talk about and pick apart um, your favorite. Um, Evan and I kind of joke about this, that I definitely am very clear of what my least favorite dance is. But um, I want to know maybe like what is a favorite dance for you? And then do you have something that maybe you don't enjoy as much or might be like a least favorite dance? <laughs> Man, this is tough. Uh, I feel like like my favorite dance is so it's fluid, right? Depending on on what's going. Like right now, like I, I got really, since it's COVID time, I feel like when we're doing practice, as as Evan said, we're we're also not holding hands. So mm-hmm. I just dove really far into Mikrasiotica, and you know uh, we're dancing, you know Abdalika uh, Olmaz, all these cool dances that like I never really danced before so i uh, know um no that's that's kind of situational i guess um i uh i went to a workshop with uh, yvonne hunt to uh set us a couple mm. years ago. uh and and actually we went to a number of places uh we went to rumluki um uh, we were in nausa and then we went to set and it was a trip full of zurnades <laughs> um, and Man, I loved it. I just the music gives for me. It gives me a level of energy. So I mean, you know, put a zona on, and I'm 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 ready to go. Uh, you know, favorite dances. I like you know, Nizamiko is like one that comes to mind. Uh, uh, yes. You know, for me, the classics that that I learned when I was in the Macedonian group um, were. I, I like uh, Levendico, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, anything from Almopia, Sulemanaga, Tikpeskino, all these dances that like you just hear it, and uh, for me, it just I don't know, it, it takes me back to like like being in that group. Um, and I don't know. Oh, I mean, and that's for me. Like I think that there's a difference between favorite dances to dance and favorite dances to watch too. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, is that I I asked so on, I asked before favorite dances to teach versus favorite dances to dance, but I never asked anybody favorite dances to watch. Oh, uh, that's a that's another angle. <laughs> uh, by far, my favorite dances to watch are going to be any women's dance from Rumuluki. So, um, Dimitrula, Tismarias, uh, Lipirida. There's just something about that costume, right? The the uh, the Rumunkiotisa with the with the big, you know, hat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, and, you know, just something about that sort of slow, but kind of um, I don't know, like dignified uh, dance. Mm-hmm. The, the, and and you know, to me, you know, it, the, that dance is a little symbolic too, right? Like. Um, it shows the power that uh, that women had in the society. I mean, it was different than we would think today. I think that you know our mentality of like, you know, uh, you know, women in society obviously has changed over the years. But but and and I think we unfortunately do this sort of thing where we look back and say, oh well, you know, people were just you know there was there was no respect, and mm-hmm. and maybe in some cases, in some instances, in some segments, that's true, but. Man, you know, you look at these dances, you look at this, the way that, that 
Um, the women's costume in 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 Rumluki is is so uh, they're so well adorned. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm fortunate enough that my dance group we have that costume, and yeah. when the girls are dancing that those dances, and when you know the, the the lead girl is is moving her her mandili at the front, um, it's just I I mean it's 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 something to me of like it connects you with the with with you know the generations uh, of women that were dancing that two, three, four hundred years ago. Um, so I, yeah, to me, that's that's my favorite to watch. I think that's so, that's so crazy because I attempted to teach that to my seniors last year, and I just kept saying, I said, I don't, I don't even care about you worrying about the step right now. I just want you to find your body language. I need you to focus on lifting your chest and showing that pride that you know i mean that to me if you can't master that in that dance then you can't dance it because it's not one of those dances where i would tolerate anybody just getting up there and doing a lazy step to it with their you know back slunched over and right so the i respect that so much and i agree with your opinion that it's just the power in seeing women perform that it, it, it's incredibly moving. Yeah. I feel like you can't be lazy in that costume. Like your head is going to fall <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Like truly, you know, it, it's, you have to have that poise. You have to have like your shoulders back and you know, your, your chest up and, and this like strong stance, which I think is not easy sometimes for younger dancers. But um, I think when people put that costume on, cause we had a, we had a variation of that costume um, growing up, when you put that costume on, there's a different sense of self that comes along with that. You know, you you truly do, like Phil, what you said, like you almost transpose yourself back in time, you know, um, even if you yeah. don't necessarily know the history around it, there's just a, a feeling that comes with that versus like, you know, an island costume, at least right. for me. I was reading something once that was, um, that actually, uh, was speaking about that, and this actually might have been might have been in one of Yvonne's uh, books, uh, where she was talking about um, the hand motion of the lead woman in 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 a lot of those dances uh, has a tie with um, the ancients. When the ancients would dance, the leader would have some sort of like percussion thing of two pieces of wood, call it. Um, and they would keep the beat of the dance between their their fingers, right? Um, okay. And if you look at the motion of the mandili, uh, when the lead woman dances that, it's you can feel. I mean, you you almost like like you, it's it's you look at it and you said, oh, that's got to be a hundred percent. I mean, it's true. It's got to be true. Mm-hmm. It's 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 such a you know. I don't know. She's and even composer. if it's not true, you want it to be true, so you make it true, right? right? <laughs> I love that. I love that. Um, uh, I mean, the, the connection with the ancients is, is and, and that's where you got to love the fact that there are researchers and like people writing even in, in you know, in English, like, like mm-hmm. Yvonne, like, like plenty of others who, who allow us to see, you know, to jump into this window into the past. Um, you know, we're talking about dances that are hundreds of years old, but with roots that are thousands of years old and and I, you know when i talk about that it gives it gives me like goosebumps thinking about it mm-hmm. uh it's it's a pretty pretty amazing thing 
feel like that's, it's just so heavy to understand and to convey that. And I think that's why um, sometimes I feel like there's such a responsibility on people who are instructors to, um, you don't need to know everything because that you're not, we're not researchers, but um, to convey like the um, obligation in a way that the dancers have to honoring the history of the dance. Um, I think that's so important. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of goes over some people's heads. It definitely, I didn't think about that when I was growing up. I just thought that these were dances that like the video showing us, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I think you, you don't get to understanding that until you sort of dig a little bit deeper and um, kind of create that intimate connection with the past that you're learning through stuff that you're doing every week or you're, that you're performing or, or whatever it might be. It's just, it's so cool. Yeah. To me, that's something I, that's like one of my teaching methods, right? Like I try to drill in the fact that we're not just learning steps and we're not just learning, you know, steps to music. We're learning, um, you know, we're learning the sociological context of these dances as much as we can, and as much as we, we know, as much as I know, and as, as I can convey. Um, and I don't know, it's like, you can't talk about dance without music and you can't talk about, you know, in Greek folk dance, you can't talk about uh, that without costume and you can't talk about costume without, you know, um, the, the, the social role of, of, of these different people in these different villages. Um, and, and, you know, and, and also you get into the fact that you can't talk about a lot of these dances without looking at the faith that these dances existed in. I mean, talk about yeah. the dances for Apocrius and talk about the dances that we've got for, um, you know, Lazarines for, for the Saturday of Lazarus, you know, there's, there's such like a, uh, a context there. And then you, you zoom in or zoom out, whatever you want to call it even further. And you start thinking about how it connects to, you know, the, the idea of, of, of Greek lineage from the ancient times. And it's not, nah, it's wild. You go, you go crazy thinking about it. I do. <laughs> I, I, I try to convey it and really, honestly, like, I feel like my hope, is hopefully like maybe it inspires and we get into the geography right something that i feel like i got less of growing up knowing where this dance is from on the map i think i hope is helpful honestly my hope is i hope like one of these kids like gets interested in it enough where maybe they i don't know do a study abroad take a semester kind of do uh, if they get into like sociology or whatever study field would be uh in, in studying this like and have an academic approach to it i think that'd be That'd be the best thing ever. Yeah. I would love it. I'm still working on that, but we're getting there. <laughs> you hear this, kids? This is your opportunity. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, I actually read this interesting article. Another, um, he's a musician and a dancer. He posted it, and I'm going to get the details wrong, but it was um, a university in Greece, I believe it was in, in Thessaloniki, um, received some kind of massive grant to essentially take... Um, dances and create like a 3d imagery of them to to preserve the steps right um so and again the the details escape me at this point but essentially like they would record a dance group um and then create this like really detailed video of it um and part of the grant was to record like a, a professional dance group in greece or, or maybe through the university um they might have a dance group or, or dance program and people were commenting like this is beautiful but they should take this technology and go to the village and record like the elders in the village and how they do the dance because that's truly where you pick up those nuances that have been passed down depending on what 
village you're in or what family you're from. Um, so in thinking about tradition, tell us your favorite traditions, either in dance, um, things that you have learned, anything that really speaks to you um, tradition-wise. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's by far anything related to Apocrius. Uh, to me, it's, you know, like I said, it's um, clearly there's a connection with the ancients there, right? Like there's mm -hmm. the, the, the Apollo is, you know, the god <laughs> of reason and everything being in an order, and that's Lent. And Dionysus is the god of, of everything, you know, just partying and rivalry, and mm -hmm. that's before. Right. So and then there's this sort of uh, uh, interplay between the two of them. Um, and, and that, you know, that's and you don't have one without the other. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have austerity uh, without without, you know, going going wild. Right. Um, so I think that for me, there's like that sort of philosophical draw to a book. Yes. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, that's that's any anything related to there. We. Um, uh, when I was with uh, with Yvonne and, and Sedis, I saw a group uh, in uh, in, in um, Flamboro uh, where uh, they were wearing the big you know costumes covered in in, in, in bear skins. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> it's the name of the um, uh, tradition, and you know, I don't know. You look at it, it's just and it's so wild and crazy to think about in the context of a modern eye. Like if you show that to anybody who has no appreciation for Greek, it's like this is crazy. Why are people wearing bearskins, holding an orange, and whipping the ground? <laughs> um, Why not? Uh, but like you know, and and at some point you just say, and you can say, all right, well, you know holding the orange was a symbol of fertility and then, you know, the whipping the ground and then tackling people. It was like a whole ritual, whatever. You can get in all those details. But at the end of the day, it's just a tradition. We follow it because it's because there's a beauty and there's a connection and, and it's an icon to uh, the past. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, those sort of things. Uh, there's other like great traditions. Uh, um, we perform my, my dance group performed a, uh, uh, a, a tradition called the uh, Rugatia, which is a uh, Performed between uh, during the Dodecameron uh, after Christmas uh, in in, in uh, Rumuki, where um, uh, men w like travel from village to village with swords. Um, I, the, I don't know. I, those things I, I like it. It's it's something different. It's interesting. Um, but yeah, nah, that's my that. those are my traditions. I love that. But, I think I've never been to Greece for apocrias. I feel like it's. I don't love the term bucket list, but I feel like it's definitely on um, my list, my to-do list. Um, I just feel like those traditions you have to soak up because um, you hope they stay around forever, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, you can see how fleeting things like that can be. Because if you don't have people who are really into that and who are into preserving that, um, you know, it can dwindle pretty quickly, which would be sure. just horrible. But it also, you know, it also gives you an appreciation for other cultures that are able to preserve that. And like one of the things that like in, in Philly, we have something called the mummers, which is like this this sort of thing where like basically take like like grown men, usually big, burly union plumbers or whatever, that'll dress up in the most ridiculous like outfits and dresses, whatever that'll go like and they'll like they're like they're in string bands and they, they do dances and songs and, and just everybody just gets bombed. Uh, and it's like all day party on New Year's, and it stemmed from like the I guess you know early eighteen or no, early nineteen hundreds maybe no probably before that probably mid eighteen hundreds whatever it was, um, 
and you look at it and you're like, wow, this is ridiculous. Why do they? And they always get in trouble. There's always like some, you know, they're not necessarily the most PC group. Right. <laughs> but it's a big Philly tradition. And then like after I came back from a book, I started looking at it a little different. I was like, wow, you know what? Maybe it's a little ridiculous, but you know what? So is dressed up and so is being dressed up in bearskins. And yet, <laughs> the tradition that I really have an appreciation for is maybe a couple hundred years old. But like, you know what? This one's a couple hundred years old too, right? Uh, and that's like a real live, like, you know, folk tradition. It's yeah. a folk American tradition, but it's a folk tradition nonetheless. Yeah. Oh. I had never heard of that. I don't know much about Philly. <laughs> um, but I had never heard about that. Radar. Until, the until there's some Philadelphia the podcast, and then they talk about it all the time. No way. I feel like, um, you know, Dave Portnoy spends a lot of time in Philly, uh, and I'm surprised I haven't heard about that, because I feel like he would be part of that. Um, he should be part of it. Right. He should be. <laughs> I don't think he uh, listens to this podcast, but if Dave Portnoy is listening, um, you should do that this year. <laughs> you know what? We can, we can see what we can do. We can see what we can do. Wait, so I have a question that, that I kind of want to flip because it's been brewing in my mind and I feel like having your guys' opinion on it um, would be interesting. Okay. I uh, So we talk about how much we like the idea of like preserving traditions and um, uh, and like that's a mission, right? We, don't, we do not want to – we do not want to take it upon ourselves to reinvent these, these kind of dances, traditions or anything else. The odd thing – the scary thing to think about is that like we are – we're copying a, a, a dance from a point in time. And naturally, that dance changed. I mean, we know these dances changed. Mm-hmm. We know it because we look at, like, you know, there's, there's a group of dances that are Samika, but they're all different, and they're all from different regions. Or, like, Baiduska versus, uh, uh, like, I don't know, Baiduska and Baiduskino and, and, you know, all these different, and from all these different areas, right? So, like, they change and they, you know, they they kind of flux and you know, I, I'll go to like a dance and when there's a younger kids like dancing to Omega vibes or whatever it is, like making up their own, like uh, a Nisiotico dance, you'd like cringe as a dance instructor. Like, mm-hmm. dude, what are you doing? Like, I feel like I taught you better than that. But then you start thinking about it. It's like, yo, are they actually kind of creating their own? I don't know. It's, it's, I don't have a good answer. Man. I don't know how to, how to appreciate you know, the living nature of these dances because they do change over time and, and um, you know, how, how much should we cringe? I know we're going to cringe, but should we cringe with an asterisk? <laughs> this is, this is such a, this is such a powerful talk. I, I get into this debate quite often. Um, and I, I'll tell you my position on it is that I think, I think knowing the traditions is critical. And as instructors, I think, it's important that we're passing them down and we're teaching the kids what the traditions are. Um, I actually had this conversation. We haven't had practice in like three weeks because of snow every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But um, the last time we had practice, I had a kid come up to me afterwards and ask um, about Icariotico. And he's like, how do I do the kicks? Like, how do I do the fancy stuff to, you know, and he waited till everybody else left because he didn't want you know anybody hearing what he was asking. But so like, it sparked a. Um, it was a very brief conversation with him, but it sparked this conversation about well, let me before I teach you any kind of tricks or you know figuras, let's first understand the foundation of the dance. Let's understand the root of it, and then what what I said to him is the important thing for me is. Um, 
if you're going to do a kick, if you're going to do something, know that you're, make sure you're first honoring the, the core of the dance. But when you go to add that little bit of flavor, that little bit of flavor is a reflection of you. And that's your, that's you leaving your mark on the dance. You, this is also your history to tell too. So I think there's, it's a, there's definitely a line there where you can cross it and go too far. But I look at it from the standpoint that if I'm on the dance floor, there's this amazing Bouchano playing and it's moving me to do something with my feet that maybe isn't traditionally the most correct thing, but that's what the music was speaking to me. And that's what I felt. I don't think we should ever take the approach that we, we, we squash that and say, no, you don't have a voice. You don't have, because then we're, we're basically saying dance is all about community and, and, and sharing those moments and coming together and expressing ourselves but just don't express yourself the way you feel today. So I, I, have, I have a roadblock there because I certainly understand for competition value and all that, we, we want to historically represent the dances and that also becomes a way to compare because, well, who's historic, historically accurate in their representation? But there's also that expression that has to live in order for this to continue being a living expression. So that's my position on it. And I, I think, I think some people would, I know, I know people would definitely take offense to that. Um, but I think so long as you understand where the traditions come from, I always encourage the kids to make sure that they are telling their story in their dance too. Yeah, I, I agree. And, I don't know if I have an answer to this question. Like, Ev, when you were talking, I was like, oh, because Phil, I agree, like, cringe, <laughs> but with, like, with an asterisk, right? Like, I'm thinking back to, um, like, when I was at a Goya dance, when I was well above the age of Goya, so I was there because I was sort of, like, not a chaperone, but in that, we'll call it that, right? Um, I would rather see kids get up and dance to Greek music than, like, Oons, oons, drop it at the club. You know what I mean? Like, I, w- I would rather that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I feel like it's a little more wholesome. I don't know. Um, but I feel like you have to have that balance because, like, take Zembekiko, right? That's how people learn how to do it. Um, you know, you can teach somebody how to do that, right? But you don't really truly learn and gain your confidence to do it, especially, like, I mean, I don't know how you guys do it, but I'm thinking like how I started learning it, right? Like my mom kind of taught me, like this is how the girls do it, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it. Um, but I would like learn how to do it, if you will, at Greek nights. And I'm sure I at times did it very incorrectly for like a girl, but I just I think sometimes like watching kids like jam out to Omega vibes or like um like the dances where they dance like kind of like an island sirtog. I don't even know what they're really doing to it, but like islandy, if you will. That's, I think, where people gain a lot of confidence. And I think that confidence then transposes to the dance floor. I think where you can kind of become a little bit more cringy is if you can't get people to understand the difference. Um, and that's hard, you know, because like it's, it's hard for people. We were talking about this a few episodes ago. Like if you have slower songs, 
or slower dances, it's hard for your audience to sometimes engage with that, right? Because they want to see like peppy and and this and that, right? Um, but sometimes you can't always do that and you have to be like serious or you have to have really metered steps because you're you're going back to the root of that. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of, I don't know if I have, I don't have a stance on this other than I definitely cringe when Omega Vibes come on and I think it's because <laughs> I like remember my experiences too and I'm like, oh God, like I flash back to like yeah. Greek nights of like, early 2000s you know <laughs> yeah uh, there's limits to everything yeah. <laughs> it's um that's tough it's a it's a mix right it's like we're we're on one hand we are we're fighting to essentially preserve uh you know preserve folk dance and, and the folk traditions in in, in, a, in a way and on the other hand we're also fighting for the fact that it's harder and harder for kids born in the states to connect with the greek culture so it's almost yeah. like we'll take anything they can get right. interested in it you know yeah. you want an omega vibe all night long go for it go for it hit those stops when that music but, drops hit it <laughs> and that but that goes exactly like i and that's where i agree a hundred percent with what you said maria is that it to me the most important thing is that the kids enjoy dancing that's step one I think once you make that connection and they have that joy and love and passion to dance, then you, that opens a door for you to say, okay, you're here. I'm so happy you're here. Let's talk about that dance we did last night at the Goya basketball tournament. Yeah. This is how you did it. Let me show you another way. Let me show you something a little bit more traditional. And, you know, I think, I think the missed opportunity and all that would be to not teach the additional knowledge of this is the tr traditional way if we see it and we say oh that was awesome you did jumping jacks in the middle of Bendozali. great yay <laughs> and then walk away okay you know shame on us for not saying you know i'm so happy you're on the dance floor let me let me teach you more right. um so to me i look at it as if that's my avenue to get in to teach somebody or to grab their attention so i can teach them then 100% I'm going to support it. I'm going to say, you go out there and you express yourself, and then you come to dance practice and learn a few more things. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I think my primary focus with everybody is this is, dance is your, your form of expression, and um, I think you can do both. You can express yourself and you can honor traditions. And, but, you know, there's limits to everything. Jumping jacks and a bendazali are we're gonna we're gonna nix that one. <laughs> but I will definitely tell you like a little known secret. Um when back in the day, Ev, I will say this for both of us, we definitely threw on some like two thousands rap music, like two thousand six, and you can do like a Serenitza. Oh, to so most good. rap songs so <laughs> like beat. <laughs> the beat is just there so as embarrassing <laughs> as that is and we won't tell the kids that we teach dance to that because they will like never forgive us but we definitely have done that before like i can't i don't even know the names of the songs but we've definitely done it um but, i encourage you, know, you to try it <laughs> that so like when we were in new york teaching and we had Futya or like the awesome thing that happened with that is it was every Tuesday night we would start at whatever, six thirty. And it was just it was this open door policy where people came and went as they needed or 
as they wanted. And but like what was supposed to be like an hour, hour and a half practice, every Tuesday we ended up we were hanging out with each other until like ten thirty, eleven, twelve o'clock at night every week. Maybe we danced the whole time, maybe we only danced for five minutes and then we like did whatever other kind of crazy stuff we did, <laughs> which there are some videos, but um but like what we created there with everybody was this amazing connection that like it was that community. It was dancing. We weren't going to dance practice because it was this like regimented dance practice. Every Tuesday night you came in, you dance, you sweat, and then you go home. It was a very fluid notion of dance practice where, and this was my favorite thing about it was I never, we never went there unless we had like a, a hard deadline for a performance or something. We never went there with a playlist uh, with uh, an itinerary of what we were going to do. It was always, hit the random button on iTunes, whatever song came on, mm. that's what we danced. And if it was something that we needed to dive into more and you know, break down the steps, then we spent a little bit more time on it. Or maybe it was just, we spent the whole night just going dance after dance, and it became this really organic dance practice where we learned tremendous amount of material. I mean, I, I have probably close to 800 different songs in my dance practice playlist that we just cycled through. They weren't all unique individual dances, but it was just, it was an incredible journey learning dance, but in a very fluid, organic kind of way. So getting to that level with um, my dancers back in the day was, I think that to me just had so much impact. And I think that expression that we created um, we really did honor the traditions, but we allowed everybody to really see dance in their own like present day circumstances. And it, it became this awesome out, outlet for everybody. Um, and that is 100% what I'm trying to recreate with the group down here in St. George. Um, and that's my goal is to work to that. Mm. So, but like just that sense of community expression and all that stuff, when that happens naturally, to me, it's like, you just you can't you can't describe that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Phil, um, closing question. I well, t- I have two. <laughs> um, or three. Yeah, or seventy-two. <laughs> no. um, what's truly is what what is the best cheesesteak in Philly? I have never had one, and you know you hear like Gino's, and then what? I don't even know the other <laughs> name. So that's number one. That's kind of like a fun question. Um, and my last like real official question is, and we've talked about this a little bit, but what keeps you doing this? Like you're obviously, you have a successful career, you know, it's, it's it gets harder as you grow up. I think like we have more responsibilities and um, all this kind of stuff, but what keeps you doing this? And then if someone's going to go to Philly, what cheesesteak do they need to get? <laughs> which, which should I answer first? Whichever one you want. <laughs> oh, well, listen. <sighs> We'll go with the cheesesteak first. So let me yeah. tell you something. This is going to be a big, a lot of people are not going to like this, from Philadelphia, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it anyways. Uh, you know, I'm okay with a little controversy. The best cheesesteak is not in Philadelphia. The best cheesesteaks that you'll find are in South Jersey, near Atlantic City. The reason being, which is in, you know, basically in the Philadelphia area. The, um, the reason being is that they've got a roll down there, the Atlantic City roll. It's just absolutely spectacular. A little <laughs> bit more dense than the than the the, the typical Philadelphia roll. Um, 
There's a, there's an island called Brigantine that that I go to during the summertime. My family has a house down there. A lot of Greeks have houses down there. I don't know why. It's like the Greek Riviera. Uh, <laughs> you literally can't walk like like four blocks on the beach without running into somebody Greek. Apparently they used to have like like Glendia down there. They used to have like barbecues. We got to start that back up. But anyways, yeah. so. We go down to Atlantic City a lot during the summertime. Um, uh, for uh, uh, for a less traditional one, there's a there's a Chipotle cheesesteak at Tony Bologna's, which is right next to the uh, the Ocean uh, Casino. Um, and um, uh, for a more traditional cheesesteak, White House Hoagies, uh, which is like this old like 1940s uh, uh, hoagie spot, uh, cheesesteak spot. Go for it. It's great. Uh, Portnoy, if you're listening to this, hire me for your cheesesteak reviews. I think I could do a lot better uh, than <laughs> reviews. Um, okay, so that's a, that's an easy question. Uh, what's the other one? How, why do I keep doing this? I don't know. Um, that's a tough one. That's a you know, it's a, it's you know what because I'm not there yet, right? Like if I become good enough, I, for, for me right now, and maybe I don't know. The motivator is that I still don't know that much, and and listen. I'm I'm fortunate. I got I was luck I was lucky enough to never stop dancing. Mm-hmm. I danced with the Macedonians through college, through uh, you know when I started working, whatever. Um, and then I got dragged into to teaching this St. George group, and we've had some great success. Thank God. Uh, uh, and and sometimes I don't even know you know how it worked out, but you know we won FDF. Uh, Annapolis three years in a row. Mm-hmm. We won our local sights and sounds three years in a row um and i don't know that's cool but like the 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 thing is is that i kind of like the more you look at it like i look at some videos of fdf groups in 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 california i'm like whoa Mm -hmm. these are real right that's a real deal there and like i don't know anything compared to these people Mm -hmm. like i don't know like that's a thing like the humility that i think you need to have in this sort of thing is 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 a key part and and you know knowing that there's still a lot that you don't know is for me that's a motivator and getting better at it and of course the other thing is uh my this is my little way to keep our community alive i really Mm -hmm. hope that these kids come back and dance i gotta find a solution for it maybe it's trying to bring them into the macedonians maybe it's trying to do something else but for me you know it's such an essential part of the community the you know the dance group and the that little element that I said of like, you know, yeah, yeah, this in the dance, holding hands with with a, a kid in a group. And then, you know, people from your this church and people from that church. I mean, we got to figure out a way to keep this something that that people appreciate. My goal is, you know, I hope to have a group at our church that's like a group in a village in Greece where you've got mm-hmm. all ages. And, yeah. um, you know, maybe we'll do that one day. Uh, uh but yeah, I got I got some things I want to work towards, and I think that that's what that's what keeps me going. It's tough because it takes a lot of time. You yeah. guys do, uh, but I don't know. And then you're in, for me another inspiration is seeing other people's level of passion. I mean, you guys started a podcast about Greek folk dance. That's awesome. I mean, and Thanks. we need it. There's a lot of people that put a lot of time into this stuff. Yeah, a lot of time. There's a lot of knowledge. Um, and, and just having a, an opportunity to record it, to, to put it out there, maybe that triggers somebody else to take the same path that you and I, uh, uh, the three of us have taken. And maybe they do it even further. Maybe they do it even better. Mm-hmm. That's my hope, you know? Um, so I don't know. Those are the things that, that kind of get me, get me going. 
That and cheesesteaks. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that question. <laughs> I'm glad I asked that question. Uh, that tied right into the whole philosophical debate, traditional versus, you know, a little bit of a personal <laughs> touch. Exactly. Exactly. And now That's we right. know where to go this summer. <laughs> I love it. Um, Phil, thank you so much for joining us. This was awesome. Um, it's funny because before we started this episode, Evan was like, do you know Phil's like backstory? And I'm like, not really. Like, no. So I'm, I'm really glad to have learned a lot about you. Um, and for those of you listening, I highly encourage you to check out Phil's group. They are phenomenal performing group. Um, so kudos to all of your dancers and, and Phil for your hard work and um, amazing support from your church and media, um, which is great. So thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. Please make sure that you like and subscribe. Give us a rating and we'll be back next week with more surplus. 